Signing big free agents has always been a problem for the New York Islanders. Today, we take a look at the history of the Islanders in free agency and discuss why it won't change this year, most likely. Plus, we review Hudson Fashing season, all that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sartre tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And we are now also available on SiriusXM. Go to the SXM app and search for Locked On Islanders. Lots to talk about on today's show. But first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe something you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, feel free to email us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We're going to keep you up to date on all things Islanders throughout this important offseason, hirings, firings, trade rumors, free agency, and the draft. We'll have it all covered for you right here on the show, and we are still daily right now, Monday through Friday, So you can get all the latest Islanders news right here at Locked on Islanders. So today is now June 2nd. That means we are less than one month away from NHL free agency. And that's always an exciting time, but, you know, around the league. But for Islander fans, it has often been a frustrating time. And... You know, you you sort of think, okay, what have the Islanders done over the history of the team when you think of big free agent signings? And the answer is that, for the most part, when you go back over the Islanders' history, the team tended to sign older free agents who were nearing the end of their careers, guys like... For example, Bill Guerin and Doug Waite, who signed together uh, and finished their respective careers with the Isles, although Guerin did get traded at the trade deadline in his second year with the Isles. Uh, But, you know, these guys were there to sort of give leadership and wind down, but clearly, by the time they signed, past their prime. You had guys like Matt Molson, who 
basically was assigned to a two-year deal. He was 25 years old. We knew that he was, uh, you know, not considered a high-ranking player. And, you know, he hooked on with John Tavares and Kyle Loposo, ended up playing really well, three straight 30-goal seasons with the Islanders, and, you know, came through. But at the time, it wasn't a huge signing. Maybe the biggest signing that the Islanders made uh, among skaters in modern NHL free agency was Mark Streit, who ended up being the captain and, you know, was uh, already 30 by the time that he signed with the team. But, you know, he basically was a, a player who got a chance to get a bigger role and fulfilled it. And I, I think that Strite really was a solid signing, but again, not the kind of move that makes big headlines. Maybe the Islanders have done slightly better with goaltenders, guys like Tomas Grice, Robin Lehner, although Lehner was only here for one year. Grice certainly, again, wasn't a star player, but he was a solid acquisition and basically, you know, was a productive 1 or 1A goalie for the Islanders for the majority of his career. But realistically, uh, you know, we've seen a lot more second and third tier guys. Some of them made good. You know, Miro Chatan became, you know, was a solid contributor for the New York Islanders during his three seasons with the team, even if the Islanders didn't do that well. But when the Islanders have tried to get a big name, they have tried, realistically, to trade for that player and then sign him. And, you know, you, you, you sort of go back to a lot of different, uh, a lot of different acquisitions. You know, you, you talk about Bo Horvat, certainly. That was a, we traded for him, we signed him. Uh, even the, the situation now with Alexander Romanov, they traded for him. They were able to get him to sign and, and stay. Ryan Smith was maybe the big first attempt at that. That was not successful. He took less money to leave Long Island and head to the Avalanche. Uh, Tomas Vanek also traded for tried to get him to stay, didn't want to stay, he moves on. And, you know, it just seems to be a long-term issue with the New York Islanders uh, about not being able to sign big-ticket free agents. And look, if you go back historically and look at it, there were a lot of reasons why the Islanders weren't able to sign those big ticket free agents because I mean let, let's start with something as simple as this uh, for a long time when free agency became a thing and the salary cap came into existence which basically forced all teams to at least spend a, a minimum amount Islanders management wasn't spending a lot of money they would go to the cap floor almost never go beyond the cap floor. So, 
it, it really becomes a situation where, you know, management just wasn't spending money. In fact, instead of bringing in big name guys, the Islanders management had a history of when their contracts were up, very talented players ended up getting traded away. And, you know, I think of examples like Ziggy Palfi, Pat LaFontaine, uh, you know, guys who, or, or even if you want to go another step, John Tavares, who just chose not to re-sign with the Islanders, moved on to play with, obviously, what was his, uh, you know, boyhood team and, 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 you know, the team he grew up rooting for and loving. And, and again, there were other reasons out there as to why John Tavares didn't re-sign with the Islanders. But the point is that historically, the New York Islanders have never been able to attract big ticket free agents. And then there were other reasons. You know, after the dynasty years in the 80s, this team went from uh, 1993 until 2016 without winning a playoff series. So obviously, if you're not winning, tick, big ticket free agents are a little less enthused about coming to play for your team because they want to win. So there was that. Uh, and you could take it a step further and discuss the fact that the Islanders were playing in the Nassau Coliseum, which by the 2000s, by the turn of the century, was a rundown, older building that wasn't going to attract a lot of people. Uh, so you certainly had that. And then, uh, you know, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, nice arena, very well put together, not a hockey arena. And then you had the team practicing on Long Island and playing in Brooklyn and where do you live? So there were a lot of issues over the years with free agency that prevented the Islanders from being bigger players in that realm. But that went away, really, over the last few years. We now have the UBS arena. We have a brand new arena. We know the team is going to stay. We have a team that has been in the playoffs four of the last five years. And we have a team that's been to two conference finals in the last four years, a team that has a, a Hall of Fame general manager, had a, a future Hall of Fame coach up until last season. So, you know, a lot less reasons to say no, and yet the Islanders still haven't been able to sign those big ticket, exciting, headline-grabbing free agents. We have got more to get to on today's show, including why this year that problem about not signing big ticket free agents probably isn't going to change, but we're going to talk about that and what the Islanders might be able to do. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You could stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They have flash deals on last-minute seats right up to the day of the event. 
And they've got the flash deals for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Just download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. So, free agency. Uh, We've talked about it uh, a little bit from a historical standpoint. And now we head into this offseason. We know the Islanders' needs. We've everydayers. You've heard me talk about the need for a puck-moving defenseman, the need for a sniper, the, the goal scorer, the 30-plus goal guy, and you've heard me say this team needs to get younger, faster, and add skill. So, why not a free agent? Well, here's the thing. Let's start with number one. It's not Lou Lamorello's M.O. to go after the big-ticket free agents. He is more likely to do what he's been doing. Trade for a guy like Alexander Romanov, Bo Horvat, and then after they've been here a little while, you know, entice them or convince them to sign a long-term deal to stay. That has worked, although you end up giving up assets, whether it's a first-round pick in the case of Romanov, a first-round pick, your top prospect, and, you know, a, a useful... NHL player and Anthony Bevilier in the case of Horvat, and then you end up overpaying anyway to keep them on the island. So, you know, but I understand that in free agency, especially the top tier, if you want to go out and sign that 35, 40 goal a year guy in free agency, you end up overpaying. And that's not something Lou Lamorello likes to do. And I don't blame him. You don't want to overpay if you don't have to. But the biggest reason, even beyond the Lou Lamorello reluctance to go the free agent route, and I'm not critical of that on its face, necessarily. I don't think that you need to, to sign big-ticket free agents to win in the NHL. In fact, in my mind, you put together a winning team through the draft, through the occasional trade, and then you add one, maybe two big-ticket free agents over the years, maybe one big-ticket guy, one second-tier guy, and that's sort of the the icing on the cake. The finishing touch is either a rental or a trade like that or, or a free agent like that. So, you know, I, I, I understand that, but realistically, this offseason, the obstacle beyond all the other stuff is the cap. And the Islanders, quite honestly, just don't have a lot of cap space. And you need a lot of cap space if you want to sign those big-ticket free agents. As of right now, the Islanders have about $5.3 million in available cap space. They still have not made a decision on Pierre Engvall. Scott Mayfield is an unrestricted free agent. You have Samuel Bolduc as a restricted free agent. 
You have Zach Parise as an unrestricted free agent. Sebastian Ajo is a restricted free agent. And, of course, Semyon Varlamov. And you also have Oliver Wallstrom as a restricted free agent. You can lose some of that cap money if you make smart trades and or buy out Josh Bailey. And every day or no, we've discussed the possibility of buying out Bailey over the long run. And we have discussed, uh, you know, ways to free up some cap space. But realistically, right now, you've got 20 guys under contract. You got three open spots on your roster, and you need to figure out how you're going to fill it in when you've got three open spots and less than five and a half million dollars to spend it on. That doesn't allow you to get to spend seven, eight, nine million dollars on one player, and that's generally what it takes to bring in the elite free agent. Now, is it possible that you can make some deals to free up cap space? Yeah, it absolutely is. It is possible, but it will take some creative trades, and I am not sure if, you know, again, that is something that Lou Lamorello is going to do, wants to do, envisions himself doing. Um, He is more of a guy who is going to gradually add pieces and he tends to add older veterans who are proven and who are going to play a specific role. So again, whether you think that's wise or whether you think that that's kind of foolish, that is a a, a different uh, argument maybe for a different day. But unless the Islanders can free up some cap space, uh, there just isn't room for that big-ticket free agent. And unless you trade a J.G. Pajot or a Anders Lee or you trade Josh Bailey, see, even just trading Josh Bailey uh, doesn't give you a lot of cap space uh, to sign a big-ticket free agent and then still possibly re-sign Varlamov or Parise uh, and bring back some of those guys you want to bring back. So more than anything, it's the salary cap that is causing the New York Islanders to have big obstacles toward adding a big ticket free agent. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. This year, there is not a lot of great free agents out there And when that happens, when the demand outweighs the supply, you get into a situation uh, that you end up paying even more for the guys that are out there. And look, you know, there are some intriguing names, but the, the first you know, five names on this list are all on the wrong side of 30. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, In fact, the next two names, Max Pacioretty and John Klingberg, all also uh, on the wrong side of 30. 
you have to go all the way down to Sean Monahan of Montreal to get to a player under 30, and he's a center, and that's really the last thing the Islanders need right now. They have five of them. So I don't expect free agency to be a big factor for the New York Islanders this offseason, but on the flip side of things, you have a lot of players coming off the books at the end of next season, and that should free up some cap space. That's when you have Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin and, you know, coming off the books. Josh Bailey, one way or the other, going to come off the books. Sebastian Ajo, done. Not that he would free up a lot of cap space, but, you know, you have a little more hope that there'll be some open roster spots and a little more room under the cap and that the cap will continue to go up based on those projections. So, for now, we hurry up and wait on the free agents. It would be, uh, it would require a lot of moves and a lot of creativity from Lou Lamorello to be able to get a big-ticket free agent. I don't think it's going to happen this year. We have got more to get to on today's show. We'll talk about Hudson Fashing. What was his season like? Plus, we have our Islanders' birthday of the day. We go back to the early 90s for that. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. So we continue our player-by-player look at the Islanders roster, and today we discuss Hudson Fashing. Fashing was signed by the Islanders uh, to a two-way deal as a free agent last offseason, started the season in Bridgeport, which is more or less where he was expected to end up. Here is a guy who was, you know, drafted back in... uh, 2013 by the LA Kings. He had played in parts of five seasons in the NHL with Buffalo and Arizona, but never played more than 11 games in the NHL in a single season. And then this year ended up playing for the Islanders when injuries hit 49 games. That was more than he had in his entire career up until that point. 49 games, scored 10 goals, 19 points, was a plus 10, playing almost exclusively bottom six minutes. He had one power play assist. The shooting percentage, 16.4. That was exceptional. Only 61 shots in 49 games attempted 109. He was uh, blocking 22 shots and had 45 hits, so roughly one hit per game for Hudson Fashing. But the thing that endears Fashing to the fans and more importantly to the coaches and his teammates, he is smart with the puck. He is positionally sound. He plays a smart hockey game. And Goes back, back checks, plays responsible defensively, hustles. He is sort of almost like a younger version of Zach Parise without the fact that Parise was once a 30-goal scorer. But, you know, here is Hudson Fashing, 27. He'll be 28 at the end of July. Finally establishing himself as an NHL regular and 
signing that two-year, one-way contract with the Islanders shortly after the season ended. That was a great move. So, I mean, Hudson Fashing was basically an insurance policy who the Islanders signed in order to say, okay, if a bunch of guys get hurt, he'll give us experience in the AHL and be able to fill in for a couple of games. Well, he took that opportunity when he got it and ran with it and ended up playing in all of the Islanders' playoff games and really just became a consistent factor for the Islanders down the stretch. So congratulations, really, to uh, Hudson Fashing, who exceeded expectations and now will be, in my mind, depending on how things play out, either a third or fourth line winger for the New York Islanders heading into next season. Again, obviously, assuming he stays healthy. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And today is the 53rd birthday of former Islanders winger Marty McGinnis, the native of Weymouth, Massachusetts, drafted by the Islanders in the eighth round back in 1988, spent three years at B.C., and then joined the Islanders for the 91-92 season, stayed with the team through the 96-97 year when he was traded to the Calgary Flames, later played for the Ducks and the Bruins before ending his NHL career after the 2002-2003 season. McGinnis played nearly 800 games, 796 games, 170 goals, 420 points, and 330 penalty minutes, only played 22 playoff games, seven of those with the Islanders. He had one assist, had a couple of 20-goal years with the Islanders, his best season by far, 1993-94, 25 goals, 56 points in 81 games. We look at one of his better games with the Isles, December 17, 1993, at the Old Barn, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the visiting team, Damian Rhodes and Felix Potvan both played goal in this game, but Potvan got the start for Toronto. Ron Hextall, the Islanders goalie, and in this game, the Islanders certainly got solid, solid play from Marty McGinnis. Two goals and an assist, including a shorthanded goal, and he helps the Islanders beat the Toronto Maple Leafs by a score of 6-2. to two. So, Marty McInnes, 53 years old today. He is our Islanders' birthday of the day. want to thank everyone once again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every dayers, Monday on the show, we are going to continue our player-by-player look at the Islanders with Bo Horvat. How did he do this year? Did he meet expectations as an Islander? And maybe more importantly, what should we expect from Horvat going forward into 2023-2024? Make sure you join us for that. Until then, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.